0: Hey, I'm so glad that you are here. Yay. Thank you, Jesus. We're here. We made it. If you're new with us, my name is John. I'm lead pastor here, and I want to say thanks for coming. And... I want to just make sure we're on the same page about next weekend. So everybody just say, next Sunday, church at home. Say it with me. Next Sunday, church at home. Okay, so some of us are wondering, wait, wait, what's going on with all that? Well, we just decided, hey, we're doing church on Thursday and Friday night, five services. And that's a lot of church for one week already. And our team of uh, staff and volunteers uh, need a chance to catch up with themselves. And so it's uh, just out out of love and kindness, especially for everybody who is part of the team around here to say, hey, catch your breath on Sunday. But that doesn't mean we're not having church. We're just doing it at home. So say, next Sunday, Sunday. church at home. Okay, so you're just going to go to mycenterpoint.tv, click on the watch, and then we'll have church at your house. And you can do the hospitality. Sound good? That's what we're going to do. Okay, so uh, we're going to get into the scriptures in 2 Kings. So open up the Bible right now to 2 Kings. So open up your Bible app or turn the pages to 2 Kings. We are wrapping up this series on the life of Elijah, the prophet, and taking our life lessons from this prophet And uh, as you're turning there, second king. So a couple months ago, my son Toby said, hey, I'm I'm getting a custom ordered calendar. So, you know, if if you get a big package in the mail, it's for me. And anyway, his big package came one day and it was like this big, a big old custom printed calendar. I wasn't really sure what it was that he had ordered, but he whisked it up to his bedroom. And after a little while, he said, hey, dad, come check it out. I got my calendar on my wall. And so I went and checked it out. This is the calendar, and it wasn't what I was expecting, and that's his bedroom wall, and that was what was up on it. And uh, take another look at it in this next picture, and uh, you can kind of see it's got a lot of empty boxes and then some full boxes. And if you zoom on it a little bit more, what it is is it is your life in weeks. And basically, you got about 4,000 weeks if you make it to 88. That's the idea with this calendar. And it comes pre-printed with however many weeks he's lived thus far, and then a bunch of empty squares for the weeks left remaining. And, uh, you know, it's a kind of morbid, weird thing, but it's on his wall. You could get one, too. You could get one like this guy, and you could just, like, carry it around with you just to remind yourself how fleeting life is, or you could just put it up over your bed, like, right next to your Aaron Brown lion painting, just, like, a, a nice reminder, like, hey, have a good night's sleep, but you know what, uh, it, you don't know how many more of these you're going to get, and especially with you, with that whole group on for the, uh, for the uh, skydiving routine, you're kind of pushing it, but anyway, it's like this calendar, life and weeks that you can get, that, uh, that, that, that really, in, in a subtle way, reminds you of the fact that, that life is fleeting, yeah. and to begin to, to take stock of the fact that however much time you think you have, there will be a time when time's up, at least time uh, here on planet Earth. And, and so seeing that calendar in my son's room, it kind of makes me, makes me think it's valuable to see something like that. It, it can prompt you to really think about what you're doing with your life and, and what kind of choices you're making. And, and it could cause you to think a little bit about your destiny and about what happens when uh, your, your time is up, so to speak. And with all of that in mind, we'll just jump right into uh 2 Kings because we're looking at the moment in Elijah's life when his time on earth is up. And this is what we read just right out of the gate in 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 1. It said, "When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal." And I just read through that sentence really quickly, but it's a powerful statement. I'm going to put it back on the screen. And I'm going to ask you to read it out loud with me. 2 Kings 2, 1, go. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. And we'll just stop there. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. Just let it in your mind a second. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. it's It's just about to happen. God's just about to do that. The transition for Elijah is about to happen. Yeah. And I think it's important to just let that soak in for a second. That God does that. We anticipate. Like that, that calendar my son got. I mean, on, on the averages, the you know, current human lifespan is something like 88, right? And however many, 4,000 weeks that is, I don't know. But Elijah came to the end of his weeks and days and moments on this planet, and God was ready to take him up. And when I read about this, I think about Elijah and his life, and, and I think about you know, my, my life and your life, and, and the truth is, most of us aren't going to have an experience like Elijah, at least not that we know much about. Most of us, our transition isn't going to be being taken to heaven in a whirlwind. It's probably much more likely to be something like a, a terminal illness, or a tragedy, or an accident. I know this is a little morbid. It's not what you're expecting to hear on Sunday before Christmas, but here we are. (laughs) But it's important to have it in mind. Like there is a sense of finality to our days on earth. And, And from time to time, I think the Bible wants us to, God in his word wants us to have a view that goes beyond the here and now because it would affect what we do here and now. And I think about Elijah's life and And how it came to be that that sentence we just read together could happen, that God would be ready to take him up to heaven in a whirlwind. How did it come to be that Elijah was once taken up to heaven in a whirlwind? It has to do with the kind of life he lived. And over these last seven weeks, what we've been looking at is this reality that Elijah lived his life day in and day out, waking up again. With a yes, God. Each day waking up, some days full at level 10 of a faith in what God would do. Other days waking up feeling depressed but still with a yes, God in his heart. Elijah lived a life yielded to God in faith. This is his legacy. And what we're doing in this series is saying, okay, what we saw in the life of Elijah is meant to provoke us. We saw a man of God learn how vital it is to recognize that you can't just take things lying down all the time, that sometimes you've got to recognize what Ahab is doing, what the ruling governmental authority is doing is cross the line, and I have to take a stand against it. We saw that in Elijah's life. That's part of his life of faith. We saw that Elijah recognized he was here to do something to bring blessing, to be a conduit of blessing, in one case, to an old woman who. Who didn't have enough to eat and he brought a miraculous supply to her he recognized that because of his connection with God he could reach out in prayer and faith and see the dead raised to life like that he could live by such faith that he could go up to Mount Carmel where a bunch of God's people were being led astray by false idols and false prophets and say it ends here It ends here because I'm here. It's a man of faith that stands in a moment like that, full of faith in God. And his life lesson on the whole is a life of faith in God leads to a moment of being caught up into heaven. It was his personal deep connection with God that blessed the heart of God and blessed his life. And it's not just about Elijah. It's about you. It's about you and me. Would we be the courageous ones that would learn to live like that too? That would learn to say, God, I feel you're stirring inside of me to perceive what's going on and to do something about it. God, I perceive your fire growing inside of me to uh, to show up. I, I'm receiving your word. I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm going where you're sending me. Like that's really at the heart of the life of Elijah. And all of that comes from his own personal Belief. He believed God. He believed God. And his life result is being taken up to heaven. When I see Elijah's life, there are four words that come to my mind. And it's history, and destiny, and legacy, and eternity. I want you to just take this to heart today. Because you are making history every single day of your life. Every choice you make, It's part of your biography, but it's also you making history. And so my question is, what kind of history are you making? Is it a tame and safe history, free of any risk? Is it a selfish history that's just about you? What kind of history are you making? I want you to just think about it. What kind of history am I making? Maybe even... Say this question out loud with me. What kind of history am I making? Just say it. What kind of history am I making? And, and it's a question to ask because your, your history is made up of the choices that you make day in and day out. And your history will quickly become your destiny. And Elijah's at the end of his time where his history has added up to the destiny that God would have had for him. And then that destiny Create something of a legacy, and then you leave for eternity. It's, it's, and so, the, the message today that's <laughs> been flashed on the screen a couple times like a tease is simply this Make history in a way that suits your destiny and adds up, uh, sets up a legacy for when you step into eternity. I, I want you to just say together, Let's make history. Let's make history. Okay, I'm going to take you back to 2 Kings 2, speaking of, of, of history. 2 Kings 2, 1 again. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has called me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. And then the company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that uh, that the Lord is taking away your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. So then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And so the two of them walked on. This is a moment where uh, we, we we get four places that are... In the ancient Near East, just kind of listed it off one after another, and just to stay with me on this, I want you to just say them after after me out loud: Gilgal, Gilgal. Bethel. Bethel, Jericho, Jericho. Jordan. Jordan. And, okay, so this is the prophet Elijah's uh, grand tour of the Holy Land, and we read it in a few quick sentences, right? And, and the likelihood, though, is that even though it seems like one quick moment to us. Just based on the foot travel alone, we're probably talking about weeks, maybe even months. And so this really is the last season of Elijah's life. It wasn't just one quick day. It was a season here that we're seeing. And in this season, Elijah does take this tour by the inspiration of the Spirit of God to these four distinct places But I think that there's a revelation here, and it it started with the fact that we know God was about to take Elijah up to where? To heaven. But the Spirit of God does not want us to think that the only thing that matters is going up to heaven. Because this tour here is a tour through the milestone moments of the hand of God in history. And it's as though God is saying, as much as I'm passionate about taking you up to heaven, I am passionate about seeing what you're going to do in history here on planet Earth. Wow. And so I want you to just think about with me uh, what, what this tour represents. I mean, first of all, they go to Gilgal. Say Gilgal. Gilgal is the very first place where God's people, when they, when they came into the promised land, the very first place they celebrated Passover together. And and the Passover celebration is when God's people reflect on the fact that we should have died, we could have been dead, but God came and rescued us from dying. (laughs) And so there in Gilgal, the very first place God's people celebrate the Passover, it it marks the fact that they got a new beginning in the promised land. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, so Gilgal, the place of new beginnings, that was Elijah's first stop. It's a prophetic message, isn't it? To any of us who who needed to know that we could get a fresh start somehow, to any of us who were hoping that maybe, just maybe there could be a second chance, for some of us who are dealing with a spirit of death coming against us, to know that there is a way that we can experience the hand of God, come on, somebody, and say amen. And then after Gilgal, they go to Bethel, and Bethel, Bethel is this place, if you remember your Old Testament a little bit, it's the place where Jacob wrestled with God. Like Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord, had this powerful, personal encounter with the very presence of God that changed him for life. He came away with his identity, totally transformed, new name. He's now Israel, no longer Jacob. This is a message, isn't it? Elijah says, okay, we're going to keep on going. God is calling me now to, to Bethel, that place personal encounter with the presence of God so that you can be transformed so that your identity can be changed you don't have to be known by the shame of what you did back then anymore you don't have to be known by the disgrace of how you blew things up back then you can have a new identity this is this is Bethel and so Elijah takes him to Bethel and there it is it's this prophetic message just in the place where he is and then from there they go to Jericho everyone say Jericho I said, everyone see Jericho. Jericho. Come on. And so Jericho, if if you've been reading your Old Testament any time, you realize Jericho is an important, pivotal place because God's people, after coming into the promised land with Joshua's leadership, they needed to take on Jericho. But what God gave them as a strategy was unlike anything anyone would have ever imagined. Instead of blasting them with weaponry, instead they're blasting the ram's horn. The shofar is blowing day after day with the priests leading the charge. The spiritual bulkhead is at the front. The spiritual wedge comes first and the walls of Jericho come crumbling down. And so Jericho is this place where supernatural breakthrough comes as God's people march forward in faith. And so here's Elijah saying, yeah, now we're going to, to Jericho. Do you feel it? Like Elisha's trailing along behind him. We, we don't get the insight, but there at Jericho. I mean, it's, a, it's days and days of journey. You have to imagine Elijah is imparting, like, let me remind you, Elisha, and all you company of prophets, who your God is. He's the God who brings breakthrough, and he gives you strategies from heaven that might not look like the things of this world. And then, so from Jericho, they come back. And if you looked on a map, it's this weird, almost full circle deal. And they come back to Jordan, the River Jordan. Picture yourself with God's people 40 years, you've been wor- working through the wilderness, and you finally get to the place where you can see the promised land right over there. But in front of you is this river in flood. How are you going to get through? But God opened up the river, did a miraculous thing and opened up the river so his people could cross through and enter into the promised land. And you have to imagine Elijah standing there with Elisha and that company of prophets saying, you need to know who your God is. You need to remember your history. You need to remember the history of what God did by his mighty hand on your people's behalf. You need to know who you are in light of who God has been for you. And you need to keep on making history the same way. Make history that suits your destiny and that sets up a legacy for when you step into eternity because you will. So this is the the prophetic lesson tour with Elijah the prophet. And I want to take that to heart. I want to I want to see this message for what it is. And what I hear is God saying, you can believe me to be the God of Gilgal, the God of new beginnings. You fo- you thought things were done and that you were going to, no, you get a new start. You get a second chance. It starts today right here in Jesus' name. He's the God of Gilgal. And it's like God is saying through this part of Scripture, I am the God of Bethel. And I'm inviting you into a deep, personal, close encounter with my presence. I didn't want you to settle for religiosity. I didn't want you to settle for just going to church services. I want you to come into my presence and feel my touch on your life. And I want your identity to be transformed. I don't want you to know yourself according to how the world labels you. I don't want you knowing yourself according to what they have said about you. I want you to know my identity over your life. It, this is God's message through this place and he's coming to Jericho and it's like God is saying I'm still the God who does supernatural breakthrough did you forget I'm the God of you. I, I can't believe you're as quiet as you are right now Like, this is the God of Jericho, the God who, when you are looking at walls of impossibility in your life, the Spirit of God begins to whisper to you and say, there's a strategy for you, and it's a strategy for divine breakthrough, and I want you to follow me and follow the sound of my spirit in seeing the walls come down. He's the God of Jericho, and he comes back to Jordan. It's like God is saying to you today. I am the God that has a promised land for you, and I want to bring you into it. But as you stand at the edge, you must rise up with some faith, sister. You must rise up with some faith, brother. It's Elijah demonstrating for all of these companies of prophets and God's people and us who would read it now, remember who your God is. You're making history. Let's make history with God. Let's make history for the glory of God. Let's make history that leaves a dent in the kingdom of the devil for the glory of God. Let's make history that leaves a legacy for people to catch the heart of God in days to come. Say together, let's make history. Let's make history. And and then in verse 6, it said, "Elijah, uh, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And so the two of them walked on. Everybody say the two of them walked on. on. And I only read one of these moments. But but there were multiple opportunities for Elisha to give up. There were multiple opportunities for Elisha to just go, yeah, you know, maybe I will. Yeah, yeah. I'll just chill here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, You go on to Jericho. I don't even need to know anything about that. But he walks on. And I think that Elijah, as the senior prophet, knows exactly what he's doing. He wants to be able to leave a legacy. And he wants to leave that legacy with somebody who can carry on that heart for God that he had. And part of of creating an opportunity for someone to grab hold of a legacy includes allowing the difficulties to persist. There need to be crucibles of comfort crucifixion. And that's exactly what this was. <laughs> crucibles of comfort crucifixion. You know what? It might have been a lot easier for Elisha to just stay at stop. Number one, Gilgal's pretty good. I know these people. I got my people here. I'm comfortable. I know what I'm doing. I'm done. See ya. But, but, but he, he gives him an opportunity to be tested. Elijah does. And I think that maybe for some of us, some of the hard things that we are are going through are moments where we have an opportunity to do exactly what we saw Elijah and Elisha do. It's that the two of them walked on, experiencing a miracle of perseverance and endurance to keep going and not to settle in some place where there is less than God's best for you, but to keep going towards his ultimate best. Uh, I want to keep reading. Verse 7. I said, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. (laughs) Elijah took his cloak, (laughs) rolled it up, and struck the water with it. And the water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it'll be yours. Otherwise, it will not. This moment, whenever I read it, the first thing that comes to my mind, I mean, I'm picturing Elijah taking his cloak, towel-type thing, rolling it up, and then whipping the water with it. And my imagination starts running wild. And, And I instantly am like remembering my freshman year of high school. I joined the swimming team and diving team. And uh, what I didn't know was that for all of the freshmen that just joined the swimming diving team on the first day of practice, you got to have a very special experience. And that was that when after the practice was done, I walked into the locker room and all of the upperclassmen, they took their cloak and rolled it up too. And they did also start whipping it. It's like they got a lesson from Elijah too somehow, except that they weren't whipping the backside of the Jordan. They were whipping the backside of John Hansen, And it did leave a mark, a red, swelling, painful mark. It did. So much so that every time I read this, I'm thinking about that, and it's not exactly what the Bible has in mind at all. But but what, what's happening here is in this moment, Elijah is demonstrating one more time what it looks like when a man of God is full of the Spirit of God, and walking in such closeness with God that the power and love of God are flowing fluidly through him. Wow. I mean, that's what's happening here. And, and you know what? I mean, he whips the water of the river, and in one moment, I mean... This was one of those, the waters of the river parting was one of those miracles that had been like the once in a millennia miracles for God's people. That they, once in a thousand years, the waters parted. And here for Elijah, he just rolls up his thing and whips it and it's like, it's just Tuesday. You know, it's like another, another day to part the waters. But it, what it is, it's a demonstration of a life fully yielded to God. And how, if you could picture it this way, Like, if you and I could see Elijah's life for what it is, he's a human being who just learned how to operate and live with such a communion with God, such a closeness with God, that he could feel the power of God flowing through him to such an extent that even a miraculous thing like the waters parting could happen right there in an instant. And he's doing it in front of everybody. Did you catch that? I don't know if you caught it, but it said that the the company of those 50 prophets... Like the scriptures take pains to detail the fact that they were positioned in just such a way that they were facing opposite so they could see the whole thing. That's not an irrelevant detail. What that is, is it's God saying, I want it to be seen. People need to see an example in you, sir, in you, ma'am. Of a, of a woman of God who keeps on leaning into the presence of God, letting the power of God flow through her so that another whole group of people can catch, ah, that's what it looks like. That's what's possible. Maybe I'm only here on that whole journey of living that life of faith, but, but man, sh- she's done it. Maybe I can keep moving in that direction too. And you... And your life and the history that you're making with God is on display. It's meant to be on display for other people to catch God's heart of how his power and love could flow through you so that breakthrough for someone else can happen. And it happens here. It happens here. But the question, verse 9, let's take a look at it together. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me. What can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Say that uh, phrase from Elisha with me out loud. Ready, go. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Double portion. A double portion of, of, of your spirit. When I read this, I'm thinking about this moment that that happened for me about 10 years ago. And we had a, a brother come and minister in our church. His name was Richard A. Dew. And he's from Ghana. He lives in Germany, where he has an amazing healing and evangelistic ministry. And he had come over here to minister in our church. And the preaching was incredible. But more than the preaching, the way the power of God flowed through him was something that I don't think I had really ever experienced up close like that before and he was here and it was in one weekend there were something like 50 people that got a supernatural touch from God and healing came it happened it just in an unexplainable miraculous way and it was so incredible And then when he was about to leave after spending a week with us, I I was meeting with him in my office, and I I felt in my spirit, maybe the way Elisha did, like, oh, man, I wish you didn't have to leave. I wish you could just stay here forever, man, just pouring out like that. And I said, would you pray for me before you go? I need you to pray for me, Richard. And he said, all right, and he he laid his hands on me and prayed for me in his Ghana slash German accent that I'm not even going to try to do, but he began (laughs) praying for me this prayer powerful moment of praying and just saying and one of the things he prayed for in picture in particular was and father in the mighty name of Jesus give him a double no I'm gonna stop give him a double portion that's what he prayed he said give him a double portion any good thing that's in me to serve you Lord give John a double portion and when he prayed for me that way with his hands laid on me I remember feeling this, like my knees were giving out on me as he prayed for that, like doubling over, almost like when you're in pain, except this wasn't pain. It was like spiritual weight. And as he prayed for that double portion, something happened inside of me. And all I know is that after that time, and some of you who are part of CenterPoint for 10 years, you might remember, God began a new season in the life of this church. And after that time supernatural healing began taking place. And, and I can tell you that to this day, there have been hundreds of people, hundreds of people who have received a supernatural touch of God for healing and deliverance in this ministry. But it had everything to do with the double portion. I'm totally convinced of this. It had everything to do with the double portion that came from Richard A. Dew. But it wasn't, it wasn't Richard A. Dew's spirit. It's not like the ghost of Richard A. came upon me, you know? It was a double portion of the Holy Spirit of the living God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that had been at work within him because he was a man like Elijah who had learned how to keep on leaning in saying, yes, God, more of you, more of your power, more of your goodness, more of your supernatural reality, more of you, God. And that is what became contagious to me and hopefully to some of you too, over these years, but it's the double portion. It, Elijah, and Elijah's the one who instigated it. Elijah said, what, what can I do for you? He, he wanted him to want this, and he got that double portion. You know, Deuteronomy twenty-one seventeen says, really, the double portion is the inheritance of the true son, and so in this moment, Elijah is allowing Elisha to be marked as, as truly his son, his spiritual son in the faith. In, in verse 11, I got to keep, uh, keep reading. It said, as they were walking along, talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire, horses of fire, appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. And Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, it did divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. And the company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, "Ooh, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. The legacy had been transferred. The legacy was not lost. The legacy must continue. This is the way of the kingdom of God. And this last moment, it's it's a reminder to you and to me that we don't just receive the gospel. We don't just receive freedom in Christ. We don't just receive forgiveness in Jesus. We don't just for- receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We become and must become conduits of the legacy of a life of faith in Jesus Christ, his gospel, and his spirit's power. That is a must for any believer. And if you have thought, well, this is just for me, I want to shift that today to say, no, you are meant to be one who, like Elijah, would see to it that a legacy was transferred when your days or your weeks are up. And, and I, I also want to just pay attention to this moment of the supernatural. Did you see it in verse 11? It just said, I'll take you back there. It said, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. And so, yes, what God had set out to do happens. But I'm mesmerized just by what we just read, that suddenly the curtain gets drawn back a bit. And there's a a revelation of something that's actually always taking place, where in the supernatural realm, all kinds of things that you could hardly even imagine are constantly taking place. Angels ascending and descending, the host of heaven on assignment for your defense in ways that you might not have even known you needed. A moment like this one where The angelic beings come in the form of the chariots and horsemen (laughs) full of fire. Do you have a place in your understanding of God and his reality for the supernatural? Because as I come away from the the lessons of life of Elijah, that's as much a part of it as anything else. It's to live with a kind of an anticipation and expectation that from time to time, God is going to just do God stuff. And wouldn't you want him to? Come on, let's, let's believe God to do some God stuff. And you don't get to make it happen. It's not like a faucet you get to control, but you get to have a heart that's open and believing for. I have a daily practice of, of making declarations in the morning before I begin my day, most days. And one of the declarations is that I cancel every assignment of the evil one to bring destruction into my life. And I declare that God's angels are on assignment to defend and protect me. I just declare it because I believe that. Let me tell you something. Uh, Two months ago, when we had our men's retreat, I I was driving there by myself on the Friday, and I was driving, I guess, around 5 p.m. or so during rush hour, and I went back the back way through Pala Reservation. And I don't remember the exact name of the road, but there's this intersection where it's kind of a a Y like this, and the busy road goes like that. Some of you might know where that is. But uh, the traffic was stacked up on on this, coming this way and that way. And then this road in the middle that people were were driving, you know, 70, 80 miles an hour, just super fast. And everybody, when they got up there, was trying to, you know, cut across that freeway and get, you know, going that way. And then it was my turn. I got up there, and I looked this way, and I looked that way, and everything looked good to me. And so I just, you know, throttled it, you know, headed out, you know, full throttle out to make it across, and I was pretty sure that it was all clear. But it wasn't. And, and I, as I throttled it out, and I looked back to my left, and here it coming this way is this car... And this car is going probably 75 miles an hour, like barreling through that intersection. And what happened to me in that moment was I died. Like, if I could, if I could put it this way, I had one of those moments where I realized this is it. Like, there's the only thing that happens now is that that I'm going, I, you know, hit the gas to get across. I'm going 20, 25 miles an hour. That dude's coming 75. The cars here, cars there. Nowhere to go. I'm. I'm dead. Like, this is it. It was all I could think of. I could, in that split-second kind of reality, I could see what happens next is a massive collision, and I'm dead. But here's what actually happened. I floored it to get through that intersection, and right when this collision absolutely should have happened. And you might tell me, I don't believe a word of what you're saying right now, but I'll tell you what I experienced. It was like as though the front of my truck was picked up off the ground, pulled backwards, and then moved back into the very position where it was, where I should have been absolutely crashed into dead. And I know, I know, some of you are going, yeah, I don't believe that. I don't care. I know what I experienced. And and through to that night and the very next morning, I, I was shaken inside because I kept replaying, I know what should have happened. And I know what would have happened, what was going to happen. And I did not see an angel, but in my understanding of the Word of God, I definitely experienced one of those moments where something beyond the curtain began to take place. And it was for my defense and for my rescue. Did I fabricate it? Could I ever replicate it? Could I manufacture it? No, no, and no. But did it happen? Because God is good and sometimes just brings a boom, breakthrough, yes, yes. And this is what I see in this moment in Elijah. Thanks be to God. Oh, you better believe I'm thankful. Do I wish that in every other area of my life where I need a breakthrough, I could just press that button and make it happen? Of course. It doesn't work that way. But what does happen is we get an opportunity over the course of our lives to learn to make history and to make history this way. More and more often to say, God, I believe you. I believe who you are, and I trust in you, and I think that there's a likelihood I'm gonna see a display of your goodness. And God, I'm not gonna let go of my hope, and I'm gonna sing that song, and I'm believing the best is yet to come, and I'm gonna believe it. I'm actually gonna believe it, right up to my final 88th year of weeks or whatever it might be. I'm gonna believe you, God, that the best is yet to come, but. One more time, as they were walking along and talking together in verse 11, it said, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah didn't get himself to heaven. Do you see that? It was the chariots and the horsemen, the supernatural reality that God appointed is how Elijah got to heaven. And to me, this points to a reality that none of us get ourselves to heaven. And yes, this scripture it, it it beckons to us to understand something that at the end of those weeks, however many they might be, 4000 or 2000 or 5000, I don't know. There is a transition And in that moment of transition, you will leave for eternity. Your history will have culminated in your destiny, and you will leave whatever legacy you're going to leave, and then you will leave it for eternity. And that eternity, you will either be stepping into an eternity of torment in hell apart from God, or you will step into an eternal blessing in the presence of God forever in heaven. And what I know is that, what I see that is that Elijah didn't get himself to heaven, that God did. And in the same way, you don't get yourself to heaven. You get to heaven through God's appointed, anointed Savior, Jesus. Jesus is your escort your chariot of fire, your horses of fire. And if you have a hope, I do hope that when I reach my time, when time is up, I hope that I will be in heaven hope is not a plan. God has a plan, and his name is Jesus. God's plan is for you to say yes to the one who is able to bring you to heaven. You don't get to heaven by finally measuring up. You don't get to heaven by finally sort of evening out the scales of karma or whatever. You don't get to heaven by proving that you deserve it somehow, because none of us ever could. You get to heaven by simply saying, Jesus, yes. Jesus, yes. This is what Jesus said. He said, Whoever believes in me will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Whoever believes in me. And so, my question to you is are you making history? And are you making history with this defining historical turning point for yourself of saying yes to Jesus, to ask him to forgive your sins and save your life? Because, man, that changes everything. So, let's make history. Let's make history. Let's make history. Look at somebody near you right now and say it to them. Say it to them. Let's make history. Let's make history by being the kind of people like Elijah that would just say, God, we believe you. Let's make history like Elijah did by just saying, God, I hear your word and I obey. Let's make history like the way Elijah did to say, God, you want to use me to bring a blessing to this old widow? Then let's do it. Let's make history the way Elijah did, saying there's false prophets over there. Let's take our stand and do something. Let's make history. Say it. Let's make history. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this word. Thank you, God, for the life of Elijah that pushes us to, to lean into who you are and to be different because we're living with your power. God, I pray that in this moment, you would stir some of us up, some of us who are believers, maybe some of us who are longtime believers even. God, I pray that you would bring us to a place of reawakening, reawakening, that it matters how we live. Because there will be a legacy. And the only question is, what kind of legacy is it going to be? And God, I pray that you would stir us up to be people who desire to leave a legacy, the crowning pinnacle of which would be that it's a life of faith in Jesus, a life lived by the power of the Spirit of God. A life lived knowing that you are God of Gilgal, you give new beginnings, that you are God of Bethel, that you let us have powerful personal encounters with your presence, that you're God of Jericho, that you you bring down the walls in miraculous ways, that you're God of the Jordan, that you allow us to cross over the impossibility into the promised land. We believe that that's that's who you are. God, I believe that's who you are. God, I believe that's who you are. I pray, Father, right now for a, a reawakening for some of us old-time believers. You've lived through a lot of stuff. Sometimes, when you live through a lot of stuff, you can end up getting calluses. Don't let those calluses keep you. i keeping on, being bold in the power of Jesus Christ. Don't let the calluses because of what you've gone through keep you from keeping on trusting him for something new. Don't let the calluses of what hadn't worked out yet the way you had hoped keep you from trusting him still today. Some of you who are brand new in your faith, you, you've been a believer for a, a few months. That's it. I want you to remember what you've heard today, that you looked at the life of Elijah for a couple, a couple months. And what you saw was an example, God going, Here it is, here's what it can look like, are you in? And he's saying it to you right now, like are you in? Don't you want to see some amazing stuff happening and through your life? Expect it, believe me for it, pray for it, catch my word about it, and run with obedience into it. Let's make history, it's like God is whispering to someone right now, hey, you and me, let's make history. With your kids, with your neighborhood, with your business, with your classroom, with your floor on the hospital, with your whatever, with, with your job site. with God is saying to you, don't underestimate what I want to do through you. I believe that's a word from God for somebody. Don't underestimate what I want to do for through you, where I've placed you. Let's make history. Can you hear it? Just kind of like God is whispering it to you. Let's make history. It's like God is saying, I'm not done making history. I never will be. You're a part of how I'm doing it. Let's make history. Can you hear him? I guess get the sense. This is what God wants to say to you right now. Let's make history. Let's make history. Let's do it. See the power of these moments. God, I pray right now for an awakening for somebody, that somebody in this in this gathering, in this time, would wake up to the reality of Jesus Christ, Son of God and Savior. I just shared a minute ago that you can't get yourself to heaven because you can't. Jesus is the one and only one who is able to do that because Jesus is the only perfect sacrifice, the one and only one who is the Lamb seated on the throne who takes away the sins of the world, including yours. You can't take your sins off yourself. You need Jesus to do that for you. And in this moment, I want to invite somebody once and for all to say yes to Jesus. Ask him to forgive your sins and save your life so that you can be made brand new. So while we're uh, sitting together in God's presence, whether you're outside or in this room or at home, if if you would say, I think I need to do that. I need to say yes to Jesus Christ once and for all, to ask him to forgive me, to save me to give me a new life. Right now, I want you to raise your hand. If you would say, I want that. I wanna ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. I want you to raise your hand with me right now, whether you're sitting out in the patio or in this room. If you're finally ready to say, I need to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. I don't wanna wander around wondering what I'm gonna do about the weight of guilt and shame I feel. Up in the back and the left, that's great. If there's anyone else, in the back, in my right, I see you. Thank you. If there's anyone else, I don't want to miss a, a soul. But in this moment, if you're online, you just type it into the comments. Say, I want to give my life to Jesus. And those of you who had a hand raised up in the back, in my right, and the left, I want you to just pray with me. And that's you talking to God. You say something like this, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. You can say it with me, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And I repent of my sins. I turn from my sin. And I turn to you, Jesus. Would you forgive me and save me? I believe that you paid the price for my sin when you died on the cross and that you're alive. And I'm asking you to come into my life and make me whole, make me new. I receive the gift of new life right now by faith in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, for others of us, because I know that we talked today about about that liminal space between time and eternity and the reality of life's relative brevity. I pray God that you would give some of us courageous spirits about what's next. Elijah was caught up to heaven in a whirlwind. Caught up to heaven in a world heaven, where every tear is wiped away, where every cancer cell is finally and ultimately and totally and completely obliterated, heaven, where every ounce of shame and demonic assault is completely destroyed and gone forever, heaven, where the very presence of God is shining like the sun in all its radiance, heaven where you can't even escape the sound of joy and celebration because of knowing the nearness and goodness of God heaven ha heaven Woo. oh thank you God that we have such a hope Won't you stand to your feet and just say thank you God for such a hope stand to your feet and say it with me thank you God for such a hope Woo. thank you God for such a hope thank you Lord and in this life, here and now, I believe for your goodness to come until that day we breathe our last. And so, here and now, God, we await your hand and your touch and your breakthrough, and we believe you for it. In Jesus' name. Once you sing out, I know breakthrough is coming. By faith, I see a miracle. You guys can sing it out.